That recliner almost chopped my mate's finger off. This is what our killer looks like. Tired. Everyone has been affected in one way or another by this terrible tomato onslaught. There was a, a standing lamp in this room. What happened to it? Attack of the killer objects! Everyone has a birthday they'll always remember. This is Andy's. Time for bed, Andy. Good night, baby. Good night, Aunt Maggie. Accidents happen at home. How did that happen? This is no accident. Andy! I'm Detective Mike Norris. Homicide. Andy! Miss Peterson's dead. She fell from the kitchen window. Someone's moved in with the Barclay family. And so has terror. Mommy, I know who is on the counter. Andy! Who, Andy? Chucky. Nobody. About Chucky. It came alive in my hand. I, I, I. Oh, for God's sake. Why won't you believe? Because I'm sane. This is Barkley, sane and rational. No one believes the truth. <laughs> or lives to tell it. There's nothing nice about murder. <laughs> There's nothing innocent about child's play. Hi, welcome to Attack of the Killer Objects. I'm your host, Anastasia, and joining me today is special guest, Scott from the You Run podcast. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Super ready to talk about Child's Play. How about you? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Child's Play is one of those movies that I think everyone sees really early, inadvertently for me, and I know for you as well. And I think, I don't know, it's just a fun movie. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. It is a fun movie. Um, the first one actually doesn't have too much of a jokey tone. Like, he's got a couple of one-liners, but it's nothing compared to kind of how as it rolls on into the mid 90s until uh curse of chucky and then it tries to be serious again yeah C curse and cult i actually like that they're they're really they were i think they were both straight to vhs i believe so yeah yeah and i think they've done a really good job with those considering they didn't have a big budget i, th I think they kind of went back to basics with both of those 
I agree. I do think that Curse was a little too CGI heavy for my taste. The face was just wonky. Other than that, uh, yeah, I really enjoy Fiona Dorif a lot. So it's nice to have her. She does a good job. I really honestly, I like the whole series, except I think it's like biggest weak point would probably be three. No, I love three. Seed is the weak point. I I hate Seed. I was going to say Seed is the second weakest one. In my yeah, uh, see, they just went too overboard with the the jokes and like the bit where he's masturbating to a copy of Fangoria. I'm just like, I'm out now. I, I'm so, I'm so not invested in this. Yeah, it got a little too schlocky for sure. For me, the part about three that I don't enjoy is I don't like the actor who takes over playing teenage Andy. Andy, yeah, I don't like the guy who plays Andy in that movie. So that's my big beef. He's like the star, and I don't think he works that well. No, he's not the best of actors. I quite like the premise for three. I like the setup and the way it's done. I quite like that it's now someone who's quite capable dealing with Chucky, and I think that's probably one of the only movies where we get that. Yeah, that's fair, because it's definitely not in Curse, because he's really only after the the chick who's fucking paralyzed. Yeah, (laughs) I know. And then everybody else is just collateral damage, but, you know, it's it's still fun. But all right, so let's get into the first one, Child's Play, the original. So it was written by Don Mancini and directed by Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, obviously, a much older fellow. <laughs> anyway, so it burst into theaters in 1988, which it's a good year. It's the year I was born. And uh, it forever left its mark on the horror genre, particularly the killer object genre. Yes. Which, I mean, that's what our whole show is about here, guys. So, (laughs) this is without a doubt one of the best of the genre. And it stars a pre-Seventh Heaven Catherine Hicks as Karen Barkley. uh, She's single mother to Andy Barkley, played by Alex Vincent. Then what we have... Child's Play also features the terrific Brad Dorff post-Exorcist 3 uh, as the diabolical serial killer Charles Lee Ray and a post-Fright Night Chris Sarandon as Detective Mike Norris. I love Sarandon in this. Yeah. He's, He's great. He is really good in this. I, I love how sarcastic he is and just, you know, straight to the point. Like, you're out of your mind, lady. Come on, kid, yeah. you're lying. It's good. He's great. Yeah, he, he literally spends the whole movie there going, oh, there's this killer doll. And he's like, mm, there's not, though, is there? You, yeah. you're, just, you're just a bit mental. There's nothing going on here. I like him. Yeah, he plays it very straight, but that's what you need in this scenario for sure. As many of you probably know, Child's Play spawned six sequels, a remake, and a TV show. Most of them are worth a watch. As we were just saying, I think, I don't remember if we were saying that before we started recording or not. But, uh, yeah, we think that um, Seed is definitely a weak point in the series. And I think that Three is a weak point. Scott disagrees with me, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we if we all agreed on everything, it would be a really boring world. It would be totally boring. There would be no point in having podcast discourse on things. <laughs> no. Absolutely. So um, the TV show and like the series in general have become one of the most LGBTQ-friendly horror franchises, actually. So it's a good time, June, during Pride Month, to cover Child's Play, I think. Yeah, I do. I think it's something that Don Mancini wanted to do from day one and in 88 
couldn't do that. Yes. It wasn't, there's no way a mainstream studio would have backed an LGBTQ themed horror movie in 1988. They just wouldn't have done it. And yeah. it's a shame he had to wait so long to get his actual vision out, I think. Yeah, I mean, what happened in the 80s was like what happened with Nightmare on Elm Street 2. It's just heavily homoerotic, but it never is explicitly stated. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, Dunman City played it safe with this one, but it's only gotten more and more progressive as the series has gone on. And, yeah, it's. I think it's great to cover for this month. So let's kick it off. Detective Mike Norris chases fugitive serial killer Charles Lee Ray through the streets of Chicago and into a toy store. A big box toy store, like the Toys R Us type model, but it's just a different name, you know? Now, after being shot by Norris, Ray starts doing a voodoo chant to transform his soul to one of these good guy brand talking dolls on display. Now, I would say that the good guy dolls are obviously, like, supposed to be Cabbage Patch dolls, basically, because it has the same level of hype surrounding them, and they were also huge in the 80s. Yeah, and also here we get the 80s force lightning that they love using around this time period. It's, yes. uh, it's so tacky, but every it time is. I see it, just <laughs> it puts a big smile on my face. I love it. Well, yeah, because it makes you think of the tail end of the 80s. Exactly. I love this, too. It always brings uh, some joy to me as well. I like the cheesy effects. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, they're cheesy, but practical effects in this are awesome all the way through. Oh, yeah. That's why I hate the overdoneness of the CGI and Curse so much, because he just looks so uncanny valley and not in a good way. <laughs> it's not good. Okay, so some undetermined amount of time later, after Norris finds Ray's lifeless body next to a uh, good guy doll, uh, we see a small boy, Andy, making literally the worst breakfast I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's Fruit Loops, and he makes a mess, but it's still Fruit Loops. I I'm on board for that. That's a, that's a good breakfast. Okay. That's a good start to the day. Let me let me break it down for you, Scott. <laughs> First of all, the toast is black. It is burnt that badly. Then he gets an ice cream scoop full of butter and puts it on the toast. He doesn't smear it around. It's just on top. <laughs> Wait, it gets better, though. And then he pours tablespoon after tablespoon of sugar on top of the already sugary cereal and and a cup a glass of orange juice and it would be fine if it was if he was making this for himself he's making it for his mother i know what a sweet boy <laughs> i mean it's sweet the gesture but the the execution i know he's a six-year-old but i did stuff for myself at that age that did not come out like this that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so he runs down the hall, he's spilling orange juice, and he wakes his mom up, who's like, oh, it's too early, <laughs> let me sleep longer. And he's like, no, mom, wake up, it's, I got, I made you breakfast, it's my birthday, bye, he's, you know, a full of joy little boy. And um, she's like, oh, this looks delicious, I'll just eat this later, or yeah. never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he hurriedly scoots off we also learn that he really really wants one of these good guy dolls he's been watching the tv show that morning as he was waking 
making breakfast for his mom. But Karen, as a single mother, apparently cannot afford one for him. These things were really pricey, like the the analog to it being the Cabbage Patch doll. They were not only pricey, but they became scarce as there was more demand than quantity. Mm-hmm. And you would find people bootlegging them on the side of the road like that for way more than they're worth. Yeah, and they'd done it again in the 90s when it was the Toy Story toys when you had the Buzz Lightyear figures that were really really scarce they were being sold in pubs and restaurants by strange men out of suitcases I remember that really I don't remember that happening here that much but now Beanie Babies were a different story though (laughs) those got ridiculous for no good reason because they're worthless (laughs) (laughs) aren't some of those now collector's items and worth thousands and thousands of dollars not really that was what they not really they were projected to be that way there's a whole documentary on how most of them are worthless Uh, okay Uh, time for me to throw away my beanie baby toy collection then i only have one left that my nieces didn't eviscerate by just ripping all the tags off so (laughs) (laughs) it's the dragon or one of the dragons one of the or i guess it's the original dragon from the 90s it's called scorch it's the only one i've got now (laughs) But anyway, that's besides the point. Soon after, uh, she's like at work and her boss is a really a real big douchebag, by the way. But we have more on that later. But her and her like work bestie are (laughs) uh, smoking cigarettes. And then they discover that there's a dude selling one like down the alley. So they go to buy this highly suspect doll from this dude. (laughs) And of course, us being the audience, we know that this is a horror movie and we know that that guy already transferred his soul into a doll. So we know there's a high probability that this is going to get bad at this point. So at first, the first sign is after she buys it and she goes back inside, her boss is like, yeah, you got to work late tonight. And she's like, no, I can't. For one, I've got to go pick up my son from school. And for two, like, it's literally his birthday, dude. Like, come on. He's like, no. He's, like, not budging. Her work friend tries to cover for her, but they don't work in the same department, so he's like, no. So she ends up having to babysit young Andy on his birthday. She is able to, like, go take him home and give him the doll, but then she has to go back to work. Yeah, and that's a bad boss. Any boss that makes you do that is a bad boss. Oh, yeah, he was a total douche nozzle. (laughs) Maggie, Karen's work bestie, as I said earlier, is watching Andy... And she puts him to bed, and then she finds Chucky sitting in front of the TV, watching the news. Watching his own death report, by the way. Yeah, I, 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 it's really cool, and it's really, it's kind of like, it's exactly what the serial killer would do as a doll. I wonder if they found anything. Do they know that I'm in a doll? I better watch the news. It's so great. Not only that, but you want to see what your legacy is, too, especially as a serial killer. Yeah. So he's, you know, soaking it in plastic form. And Maggie picks his doll, the doll up, picks Chucky up and is like, Andy, what the hell, man? I thought I told you to go to bed. (laughs) Tucks Tucks him back in. And I love this line. Andy just rolls over and looks at Chucky and is like, I told you we'd get in trouble if you watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> so Maggie's like kind of creeped out by the whole thing. And she's like paranoid now and hears noises everywhere. And there is skittering around like he's up to mischief. And then just 
hammer to the face from across the room. It's such a good kill. Such a good kill. And comes out of nowhere as well. This has got a real good jump scare to it. And it's 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 uh, one it's of good. the yeah, it's one of the better ones in this movie, definitely. Totally. I don't have it as my favorite, but it is one of the better ones for sure. It almost was my favorite, but we'll get to that later. Yes. The iconic, this is one of the iconic scenes of the movie, though, is afterwards she stumbles back and falls out of the high rise window to her death. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Karen comes home and police are searching her apartment and she's protesting. And Detective Norris, Mike Norris, Chris Sarandon's character, is like, Andy's a suspect. (laughs) (laughs) And she's not having it. No, he's a little boy, blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, but the footprints and the flower on the table matches his footprints. And he's the only other person here. And it kind of all makes sense. We've tied all this together. We're done. Yeah, <laughs> we're not doing any more work. Like it's a it's a done deal. Um, and of course, Andy's like, no, it was Chucky. It was Chucky. He has the same pajamas as me. <laughs> like those are his shoe prints. And of course, nobody fucking believes him. And that's why he has to go talk to a psychiatrist the next day. Uh, well, not exactly. Something does happen in between him talking to the psychiatrist, and that's that Chucky makes him skip school. And go downtown on a train. And this is a good scene. So is this gives me anxiety, though, seeing a child that young on public transport on their own. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but it does happen a lot, actually. Yeah, that's scary. It is scary because, I mean, I'm sure kids go missing that way. Absolutely. But um, yeah, plenty of people do it all the time, though. Yeah. Um, but anyway, maybe not quite that young, but I know like lots of people who just like let their five-year-old walk to school and shit. So, you know, Wow. yeah, <laughs> but I also live in rural upstate New York. Like it's uh, not, it's not yeah, New York city. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 it's not like you're downtown. That's a big difference. No, it's quite different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I live near cow farms. Like it's really not that bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so. This is where we find out that Chucky is going to exact revenge on his former accomplice, Eddie Caputo. And so Chucky's sneaking around the house. But before that, he's like tells, you know, he whispers in Andy's ear and it's like, you know, uh, you know, whatever. That's how they got there. But Andy's like, don't move, Chucky. And sits him in a chair. Like, Andy, why do you think they're there if he's not going to move and go somewhere? Like, you're just staring at this house. I like the innocence of Andy, though, because he kind of just buys into everything Chucky says. And a child that age would just go, OK, yeah, my toy talks to me. Of course, my toy's not evil. He's a toy. See, because of movies like this, though, if my toy had started talking to me, I would have lost my shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, my toy would have ended up in a fireplace or in a bin or anywhere away from me if it started talking to me eviscerated absolutely eviscerated burn it burn it to the ground (laughs) all right so anyway he turns around for a second and is fumbling with his jacket and whatnot and when he turns back around chucky's gone of course and this is where we see chucky sneak into eddie's apartment doing his little fast running little chucky legs where you just see the little foots i love those tracking scenes those are great and he goes and lights the 
uh, oven, but not completely. Like, he just turns the gas on. Yeah. And then he wakes up his paranoid, gun-toting former partner, who is super paranoid, looking all over the house, and then just starts wildly shooting, blowing the whole place up, because it's filled at this point with natural gas. Yeah, and and Chucky's not really guilty of murder here. He kind of set it up, but this is, I don't know, accidental death? Yeah, it's a creative scene. He knew that what that his partner would end up basically killing himself. He set yeah. up all the dominoes and then let circumstances prevail. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very jigsaw move. Yeah, it's a good kill. I like this kill a lot. So then we find out, you know, that the Andy's been... Um, admitted to a psychiatric hospital because they're like, you've been near two murders now, kid. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, you, you went to downtown New York and we found a, a known gangster dead and you were there. You need you need to explain some things to us. Yeah, Chicago, not New York. New York, yeah, sorry, Chicago. Apologies. Oh, no worries. Just want to get it straight for the audience. If you're one of those people who, like, listens to the show because you don't like scary movies and you just, like want to live vicariously through me if you're one of those people it's chicago (laughs) (laughs) anyway there's a lot of questioning of them and they're definitely they don't believe them and everything and it's this whole fiasco and karen's just really frustrated because no one's listening to her and she doesn't she's like andy they're gonna take you away from me if you don't start telling the truth and andy's like i am telling the truth and it's heartbreaking. Um, she goes home. She's really frustrated. And she kind of shakes the Chucky box and discovers that there's still, like, the batteries that were included with him in the box. Yeah. So then she goes and picks up Chucky, and she's like, holy shit, there's no batteries in here. He's been walking and talking. I mean, he's been talking and moving around on his own. Like, maybe there's something to this? Yeah. <laughs> this reveal is is great as well. There's... There's a few movies that do this in the 80s where they have this like, oh, fuck moment. But this is probably the best, oh, fuck moment. Yeah, because you don't see anything explicitly. It still seems like maybe Andy could be making it all up. Yeah. Because we don't know if crazy serial killer doing voodoo actually worked. We have nothing to suggest it really did besides the freaky lightning, which still could just be a coincidence at this point. Until she starts shaking him, and then he's like, you fucking bitch! <laughs> and now we know for sure that he's definitely 100% alive and yeah. a piece of shit. <laughs> His coming to life is... Fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. And again, this is another really well-choreographed jump scare, because she shakes him for ages, and mm-hmm. he does nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's not until she goes... I'll throw you in the fire. And he's like, you fucking bitch. Yeah, it's great. Because you're, yeah, because you almost give up thinking that he's actually going to come to life in this second. And then at the very last second, he's like, oh, hell no. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. (laughs) So Karen barely kind of escapes away from him uh, because he, you know, attacks her and it's a whole thing. But, you know, she goes to the police again and. It's like, you know what? Forget everything I said before. My son's telling the truth. Yeah. And the cop's like, okay, now you've lost your marbles. <laughs> we need to check your apartment for a gas leak because there's definitely something going on. Yeah, something's you- wrong there. Hmm. 
Um, and so she's super frustrated and she's like, well, you know what? Fine. I'm going to go find that guy who sold it to me. And she mentions where she bought it from. And he's like, you can't go down there by yourself. And then he's like, you know, but he doesn't go with her. He does kind of, though. He follows her, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And lucky that he did. True, because that homeless man or unhoused man, whatever you will, he was absolutely probably going to rape her. Yeah, he 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 was a bad dude. Yeah, because he basically was like, hmm, you're out here all by yourself. You know, if you want this information so bad, what are you going to give me for it? Yeah, it's 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 a really uncomfortable scene. and That's really I've, skeezy. I find it scenes like this. I've got a real issue with this kind of topic in most horror movies. It's not something that I think is necessary. And in this, it's like, no, don't go there. We don't mm. need to go there. And uh, there's a big like, relief when the detective shows up. Huge relief. I feel like the only place that rape scenes in horror are really super necessary are if it's the whole centerpiece of the film or like yeah. a like a revenge film revenge films basically are usually in that vein like yeah, uh I, irreversible yeah or i spit on your grave those are the kind of it, it works in those but again it's it's just it's so, still really hard to watch yeah it's it's like the worst i mean I, I i'm like you i watch lots and lots of horror and that, for me, is the worst thing in horror movies. That's the one that I go, oh, I, I'm so done now. I don't want to see any more. Yeah, I don't love those. I can usually make them through. I can usually make it through those, though, despite the fact that they makes my skin crawl. But it's usually, it's usually cannibal movies that I have to, like, I can still make it through them, but I have to pause and, like, get a little ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let, not like I'm going to puke, but I just mentally, I will make myself faint just by getting too in my head when it comes to like bloody things, especially cannibalism. Oh, wow. I, I like it that we just completely different things that trigger horror fans. And we every horror fan's got something in the genre that triggers them and upsets them and they struggle with now see this actually extends into my just regular normal life too like literally i was sitting outside smoking not cigarettes i live in a legal state in america i was smoking a bowl i was chatting with my friend and she was talking about how she's anemic and that she needed to like get back on her iron pills and i don't know something about the air that day and the just the tone of the conversation and it wasn't like that serious or anything because it was we were literally just texting but i this was literally like two days ago i totally slumped over for a second and tunnel visioned <laughs> oh wow just like out there on the porch no big deal <laughs> <laughs> I had to just like wait until my body came back to life so I could go back inside. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it happens regardless of whether or not I'm watching something fake or if it's real or if it's hypothetical. But if it gets too medical on me, ah, uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna faint, unfortunately. But I just because I love horror so much, I just keep going. But anyway, let's get back to Chucky. <laughs> yeah, okay. We were at the almost rape scene. So Chris Sarandon to the rescue, Cap, uh, Detective Norris, he roughs the unhoused man up a little bit and is like, you know, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and they're like, everybody else scatters too. They're like, oh shit, it's the cops. Yeah, and he pulls a gun as well. He's like, anyone else want some? And they're like, yeah, no. And they're like, no, no, we're good. So he accompanies her kind of 
uh, a little bit, takes her home, and Chucky's found him. Chucky's in yeah. his backseat. And it's this huge, like, car crashing scene. His car flips over and skitters on its roof. It's gr- a great scene. Chucky is, you know, like, choking him at one point, and then there's a knife, and he... It's a great little scene of cat and mouse where he's stuck in the car and can't quite get himself out yet, and Chucky's just teasing him, running around the car, playing hide-and-seek with the knife. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, Chucky kind of adopts that. When he he goes from being Charles Lee Ray to the doll, he kind of adopts almost like a childlike charm as a killer. Like a lot of the skittering round, and as you say, like the the sea and the feet move really, really quick. It's so childlike, and it's it, it's quite endearing. He's quite endearing as a horror villain. He is, though. It's true. He's an awful person. Yeah. <laughs> an awful entity, but you kind of like... You kind of like him. You kind of love him. <laughs> Even though he's deplorable, you know, but he's not without, I don't know, he's got a lot of charm. He's got a lot of charm. Yeah, so after Norris is attacked by Chucky, you know, he finds her and is like, okay, I believe you. Yeah. (laughs) But then we also see another scene where Chucky has escaped over to his former voodoo instructor, John. And John's like, look, man, the only way you can get your soul out of this doll is to tell the first person you reveal revealed that you were alive to is by transferring your soul into him essentially yeah and he also says by the way if you don't get out of this doll body soon you're gonna start becoming human because chucky has noticed that he's bleeding and like feels pain throughout this so he's like fuck i cannot be stuck in this tiny little body (laughs) yeah and he also he's also really happy as well because he realizes the first person he revealed himself to is a child and he's like this is gonna be easy he's like oh my god i'm gonna get to be a kid again and no one is ever gonna suspect that i'm the killer yeah (laughs) except not exactly because they're pretty sure that that kid's already killed people right now chucky (laughs) yeah like did you yeah, did you think about that? Talking to John. Finds John's voodoo doll, and he taunts him, too. He's like, by the way, you probably shouldn't tell people where you keep your voodoo doll of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and then he kills him by stabbing the voodoo doll and mortally wounding John in the process. And then he just, like, skitters out the window. See you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi-de-ho. Hi-de-ho, exactly. Karen and Norris arrive to the voodoo master's apartment like right after that they're like fuck we just missed him damn it (laughs) and then they're john in his like dying breath is like you gotta strike his heart you gotta kill him in the heart dead (laughs) (laughs) chucky meanwhile has caught up with andy at the psychiatric hospital where he, in the process of looking for Andy, kills a doctor with electroshock therapy, which is kind of fun. Andy also manages to escape during the chaos, luckily. Yeah. Andy's very competent as a as a victim. He's very he he's is. very good at getting out of a scrape. He is. He's good. He's almost from the jump kind of good at it. Like yeah, he, he's, he's got a, yeah, he's kind of got like a, a Macaulay Culkin Home Alone survival vibe to him. A little bit, you know, maybe it's it's hard out there being a kid with only a single mom. It's hard out there being a latchkey kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he runs home because that's where Karen tells him to go if he's in danger. 
So he runs back home. And Karen's like, that must be where he is when they discover that he's not at the psychiatric hospital. And Chucky's not too far behind. (laughs) Chucky knocks good old Andy out and prepares to possess him with a voodoo chant right as Karen and Norris uh, arrive. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Karen and Andy manage to trap him in the fireplace. There's some skittering about, you know, a little, like, cloak and dagger here before they trap him. There's a little uh, angry, like, argument between Chucky and the mom, like, right before she puts him in there. And there's this whole... Can she get the matches in time? She They're just out of her reach. She's got to hold the gate so that he doesn't get out. And then Andy's just standing there just looking on for a little too long, honestly. Like, yeah, come on, like, kid. Help, help your mum. What are you doing? Yeah. But they do set him on fire. And, you know, he's burning and screaming. And it's a fun moment watching him squirm a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and he's fucking charred and not moving. And they kind of think that he's mostly done but he's not because he comes back to life charred and then they blow him to pieces a bunch of times like with the gun and stuff and then they're like all right now he's really dead i think he's really dead now and then norris's partner arrives and he's like you guys are all nuts now what the fuck (laughs) this doll is not alive and they're like don't touch him and he's of course goes over and picks him up and then the rest of Chucky's doll body comes through the vent and starts trying to strangle Jack. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, you're right. He's alive. <laughs> and they tear him off of Jack and they shoot his body through the heart finally. And he is as dead as he is going to be in this film anyway. But the, I mean, the shot where they shoot him in the chest, the effects on that, whether the doll kind of almost like doubles over and then flies across the room and splats against the wall. And it's all done in slow motion. I think that looks so cool. One of the coolest shots in any of the child's play movies. It does look cool. And I like that they did that whole like reverse slow-mo shot to make it happen. Yeah. Um, That is, I love practical effects. We bring more like, CGI is helpful, but I would love if it was like more of a marrying of the two, because yeah. I I hate movies that are just all CGI, like it's just so annoying. Yeah, we speak about this a lot on the show. It's like when it's practical effects, it's something that I know someone has had to do that with their hands, and they've had to think about it, and they've had to really work and perfect it. And when it's CGI, it's just kind of someone sat there and tapped on a computer, and it's not quite right, so they tap again a little bit more. It's not the same. It's not not to shade computer programmers because that is still an undertaking and doing animation is an undertaking. But there's just something so much more magical about practical effects, I think. Yeah, it's done with love and with your hands. And it's, yeah, I'm all in for practical effects. Yeah. So um, Jack, Norris and Karen and uh, Andy kind of leave the house and the final shot is traumatized Andy kind of turning back and looking at the charred Chucky doll. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's Child's Play. Great movie. Great movie. Let's get into best kill, worst kill. What do you got? Best kill. Uh, best kill is Chucky's demise. 
I, I love it because it's so drawn out and it's kind of they use everything. It's like, let's use fire. Let's kick him around a bit. Let's shoot him multiple times. Let's send him flying across the room. It's like it's like the kill scene that keeps giving. I love Chucky's death in this. That's true. Chucky's death is good. But as we were talking earlier, my favorite is Eddie Caputo's death. Because I, I like the domino effect of how he didn't even really have to do much. He just let Eddie kill himself with a little bit of help. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he knew Eddie well enough that Eddie killed himself with his own stupidity. Yes, and I enjoy that. That's a fun kill. Um, what do you have for worst kill, though? Uh, worst kill is the voodoo guy, uh, John. Really? That's what you've got, huh? Yeah, I, I don't know. There's just It was sinister and it was nasty, but I don't know. I kind of wanted... This is the guy who taught Chucky everything. I wanted him to be a little bit harder to take down. I agree with you in that sense. But I think that the psychiatrist doctor that just gets electrotherapy to death is kind of just like, eh, just thrown in there as extra. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's where he puts like the um, the electroshock headset on him and then fries just, him. Yeah, like, okay. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like Chucky phoning it in in that moment to me. Yeah. Because it wasn't personal. It's just collateral damage. Yeah, Whereas just... everything else is more personal. Yeah, you're in my way. So that's yeah. what you get. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Like, eh. Okay. Best character for you? Chucky. Obviously. I mean, come on. H how can it not be? <laughs> yeah, it, it's got to be. There's Andy Barkley's great, but without Chucky, Andy Barkley's just a kid. Yeah. Chucky is the reason there's six movies in a TV series. Exactly that. Uh, worst character? Uh, uh, I think I'm going to get some shade for this, but Karen Barkley. Look, Karen's not great, but she does care deeply about her son. I have her boss because he's a total douche nozzle. Uh, he is, but he's. I don't think he's in it enough for me to hate. I hate him in the moment where he's an asshole to her. But then 20 minutes later, I've kind of forgotten he even exists. I, I just I just find her really irritating. Like she's like she doesn't believe her son. Then she believes her son. Then I, I don't know. There's something about her that just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. Is it because it's the mom from Seventh Heaven? It could, could be. Because, <laughs> I mean, after you've seen Seventh Heaven and then you go back and watch Child's Play, or even if you've only seen an episode of Seventh Heaven, it's this, like, very overtly wrought modern, uh, uh, like, maudlin, I mean, family show with a re heavy religious overtones. And it's just so... Yeah, <laughs> and her is that so. really wholesome image. When you see her in this, it's just kind of like, uh, her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, I don't like what you've done post this. But what I do love is that the actual actress um, met her husband through filming this movie, and they're still together today. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, like, She's have like Chucky is a huge part of her world still. Yeah. What 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 a movie to fall in love on. Right? I love that. <laughs> the actual actress is way cooler than some of the roles she's played. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your must what the fuck moment? When Chucky comes to life. That is such a just a it's the fact that it's so drawn out. It's like she's shaking him and she's like she almost reaches the point where she's about to put it down and has the moment where she's like actually maybe i am a bit crazy and it's at that moment where she's like i'm gonna throw you in the fire and then she kind of like goes to give in and he just comes to life 
so viciously and it's like his little legs are going and his arms are going and he's screaming it's such a good it, for me that first watch i was like wow okay so i've got two answers i'm gonna go back in time and remember as a kid what freaked me out initially which is that scene we talked about earlier where she just opens the back and it's that reveal that he's been moving without the batteries. Yeah. That, for first watch, is usually, like, the biggest what-the-fuck moment for me. Upon being a uh, jaded horror movie viewer who's seen too much at this point, I gotta go back to the breakfast. I'm still hung up on the (laughs) breakfast. (laughs) What the hell, man? I I would eat that breakfast if my kids made it for me. I wouldn't, but I don't have kids either. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I would eat that. I I, I think I've had worse breakfast than that, I'm sure. Uh, Maybe like a continental breakfast might have been worse at like a hotel. (laughs) Yeah, a croissant and a piece of fruit is not my idea of a good breakfast. Especially if the croissants came packaged and not freshly baked and have just been set out. Yeah, for about Um, six hours before you mm. get there. Yeah. Yeah, I know, because I used to work the overnight shift, and I had to set up breakfast at 4 a.m. So if you came here at 10 a.m. towards the end of it, yeah, that stuff's all been out a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you on that. All right, what part made you laugh the most? Funniest moment. Uh, Chucky in the lift. So there's a point where Chucky's in the lift, and he, the lift goes up, and as the lift is going up, there's a, a woman who gets out of the lift, she's gone, what an ugly doll. And as the lift goes up, Chucky goes, fuck you. That is a funny moment. That's one of the best lines he has. <laughs> That's a great yeah. moment. Um, I have the moment where when he finds out from his voodoo priest guy, because that, you know, it has to be the pers- first person he told. And he's like, it, you see that aha moment, that light bulb where he's like, I'm going to be a kid again. Yeah. <laughs> I love that moment, too. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, in this, like, he become known as the movies went on for all of his one-liners. But in this, he's only got a few, and the few he hits are all on point. They all land. They're all great in this. It's just like the trajectory, uh, or the trajectory, rather, of um, Nightmare on Elm Street. The first Nightmare doesn't have Freddy being this super marketable villain with a lot of one-liners but as the series goes on he becomes more and more jokey and less less scary yeah and i feel like that's the same way that that chucky is until the end point where they kind of revert or like all right we just did two silly ridiculous movies let's make two freaky ones again yeah and then they went to the series and went how can we make Happy both medium. of the, Yeah, let, let's try and make both of these work together and see what happens. With There's moments that work and moments that don't. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I'm not the biggest fan of the series. I wa- I've watched it, but it's, it, it, it's okay for me. Same. I do like the moment where, and it's been memed a lot, especially because of the month that it is. But there's a scene where, you know, Jake's struggling with his sexuality and he um, looks over at Chucky and Chucky's like, you know, I've got a gender fluid kid. And he's like, but that doesn't bother you. And he's like, no, I'm not a monster. Yeah, I'm not a monster. I'm an evil serial killer, but I'm not a monster. Yeah, that that's yeah. great. I love that. Yeah, I, yeah. Don Mancini uh, writes this character, so he writes all his characters like oddly lovingly for what it is. Yeah, and I, I love that about the series. It sort of makes it endearing. But I mean, all of the whole over of Chucky, rather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
All right, guys. So I think that's about it for us. Child's Play, everybody. <laughs> go, you... go and watch it. If you've yeah, not if seen you ha- it, go and watch it. Exactly. If you've not seen it, go watch it. Unless you're like a huge Freddy cat, and then I'm not going to force you. <laughs> I, I, I am. Go watch it. <laughs> okay, Scott's forcing you. Uh, <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it in a long time, now's a great time to revisit it. By the way, literally all the Child's Play movies are free to watch on Tubi, at least in the States. I don't know how far Tubi goes. <laughs> but yeah, you can watch all of them for free on Tubi if you live in America. Anywhere else, yeah. I'm not sure, guys. <laughs> no, over here, we don't get Tubi, but most of them are free on Amazon Prime if you've got a subscription. There you go. So they're really accessible to watch. And if you want to watch the series, it is on Shutter, both seasons. Yes. So go check that out if you're interested. Uh, Scott, please do your plugging on your podcasts and whatnot. Okay, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. We, we've got our horror movie podcast that we do once a week, which is me and Mark. Um, that's the You Run podcast horror movie review. We've got True Crime that I do with Heather, who's great. Heather's, how would you describe Heather? You know Heather. I do. They know Heather because Heather has been on the show before. We covered, yes, we covered Dead Dead Silence. Silence. Yes. She came and did Dead Silence during Ventriloquist Month last year. So they know, they know Heather. And if, if the spillover from my other podcast, they also know her from when we covered Extremely Shockingly Vile or whatever that fucking movie is about Ted Bundy. With Ted <laughs> Bundy. Efron, yeah. She covered that with us. So, yeah. So um, Heather's co-host on True Crime and Heather's crazy. I love Heather. Um, and then we've got YouTube that we do with Elise, who's Horror Review Girl on Instagram. And one more thing I'm going to plug, and you're the first place I'm going to plug it. I have a feature-length horror movie coming out on the 25th of August. Um, no details of where yet, but it is coming. It's a found footage horror that's been entirely written and shot by me. Excellent, Scott. Um, go follow him over on the You Run, the you Run podcast Instagram to keep up with updates. On yes. That. All right, everybody. Well, I think we're going to let you go. And the next time I'm on this podcast, guys, we're going to be covering one of the tales from the 1970s TV horror movie, Trilogy of Terror. Ooh, cool. I so, like that. I haven't seen that for ages. Yeah. I th- Well, if, you, if you've seen it before, then you clearly know what we're talking about. I, I do, yeah. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be talking about that next time, everybody. So we will see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Attack of the Killer Objects is edited, written, and produced by Anastasia Bird. That would be me. AOTKO theme was created by me as well with free use music and clips from the following films. Killer Sofa, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Amityville 4, The Evil Escapes, and Rubber. The outro music is They Come at Night by Shane Ivers, courtesy of SilvermanSound.com. Our website is linktree forward slash attack of the killer objects there you can find descriptions of all of our episodes as well as our merch store we have apparel and accessories for all ages check it out and if you enjoyed today's show be sure to leave us a five-star review in the podcast app of your choice until next time